Well, good morning to everyone. And I know that for the majority of you, you never expected to see me or Cheryl. Um, maybe at the service, let alone opening it up. Um, I, I am going to speak this morning. Um, I woke up in the hospital bed, was it two weeks ago? And that was it. I said, I'm speaking this morning. So um, here we are. But before that, um, I would like to just very briefly, and I mean like about um, between five and ten minutes between the two of us, um, like just to share an update as to um, what is happening. Um, I realize this is the longest period in 71 years that I have not been speaking. Um, it's because it's been approximately since May. If you remember, that's when I began to not be here. And um, I was in and out of emergency room and in and out of, then it became hospital. And as they tried to find, then if you remember, they said um, I had to take a year's rest um, and went dancing around the whole thing. Until that day, which um, you never dream will happen to you, when you're sitting in the restaurant, the doctor calls, and it's the oncologist. And he is saying, you've got to step outside and let me talk to you. And to discover that, no, it wasn't pneumonia. It was um, lung cancer. Uh, melanoma. melanoma, which is the most aggressive kind of cancer, and it was already for stage four, and um, we were to go in straight away, you know, and all the rest of it, and um, and of course most of you know about that, in that um, we've we've sent you as much knowledge as we had, which is not always very much. All you know is you're, you're in the hospital there. Mm -hmm attending to you like an emergency case, but you really don't know for sure what's going on. And then, and I don't know how many of you do know this, um, we didn't broadcast it because it went on and we didn't know what was happening, but <clears throat> we were in hospital in Houston because we had decided um, we were well enough to travel. And uh, we got as far as Houston, and we're back in hospital. And um, in Houston, um, they gave me medicine that poisoned me. And I went through... Allergic a, reaction. Yes, it was an allergic reaction. To an antibiotic. To an antibiotic that I should never have been given. And um, especially... It would be a question mark to anyone, but especially to me, it says in, you know, the list of things that for an 84-year-old, this is almost guaranteed to have this terrible reaction, and it's a, it's a brain reaction, a mental reaction, and so there's a whole period there that I don't remember at all. Yeah, he uh, didn't know me one day, that one day, and... Uh, the next day, he called me beloved again, but 
It yeah, it was it, an allergic reaction, and then plus the steroids and the uh, Benadryl and stuff that they were pumping into him was causing neurological manifestations. So he wouldn't remember, you know. I don't things. remember a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I got to San Antonio mm-hmm. Hospital out of, uh, and um, all all I know is when I what Cheryl has told me. Um, but when we were leaving the hospital, this you know a couple of days ago, um, all the nurses came to say goodbye and say, and they said, "We remember when you came in, and we had mm-hmm. to get you out of the ambulance and almost mm-hmm. you know lock you down in bed." It, it mm-hmm. was um, quite an event, apparently, for me to get into the hospital, um, and that took up precious days and precious weeks that did not have to be that was not part of it um the condition right now and um i can't go into detail because i don't understand all the details anyway but essentially and i'm quoting doctors here but it tends to be a, a bit of this and a bit of that but um my body, my lung is now clear of cancer. Um, and um, Except for in the lining. Except in the lining. It has receded until there's hardly anything left, but where it is left is in the lining of the lung. Um, the lung, the pulmonary specialist um, said to us the day before we left the hospital, there is no medical reason to keep you in hospital, it's mm-hmm. so um, one would say, "Well, you're cured," and in one sense, it is so. Um, but they want to keep a very strong eye on what's happening, mm-hmm. and of course, um, people could. And I would not play this down. The advances in medicine uh, boggle the mind. We have um, a, a specialist of, I keep forgetting his title, but um, he comes to our Bible school and he's um, a specialist in um, the cells of our body over the whole of he's South Texas. He's a pathologist. He's a pathologist, pathologist. Yeah. Um, Very good one. So when they take that you know little specimen out of you and send it, it goes to him <clears throat> and... Um, so we send him all our papers, and we, we you know, what, what's the diagnosis from, from your, you know, if you didn't know me, just... Mm-hmm. And he said, five years ago, I would say you have four weeks to live. But he said, in the light of modern medicine, I'll see you in 20 years' time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... So I cannot... Um, I don't leave God's wisdom out of human activity. Where, where, where did all our discoveries come yeah. from? Yeah. Why, why mm-hmm. suddenly, out of the blue, we, we know things, or somebody does, and that change, literally changes the human race. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you look back to the great plagues of Europe, mm-hmm. 
back in the, you know, 13th, 14th, 15th century, mm. and how many millions died. Um, and, and it was human beings who stopped that vital knowledge of advancing in medicine. Mm. It's the same human beings that said the earth was flat when mm. scientists were telling them it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, those people who stopped all the advance in medicine were the church. It was religion. Um, and um, and so the, the terrible plagues were never stopped, even though the knowledge to do it was pressing in, I believe, from the heart of the Father. Um, but the church wouldn't allow it. Mm. And um, today I believe there's a lot of people who wouldn't fall into the category of Christian, but they've got ears to hear uh, yes. things that are happening. Um, and so um, I cannot put down what medicine has done. But on the other hand, I see the look on those doctors' faces, yeah. and they can't put down that there's something happening here. They're not sure what it is. Yeah. So It's amazing that that Malcolm... They, they said, were amazed how strong he is. Um, he was in bed, you know, when he had this severe reaction to the antibiotic. And I've got to say, that that is what really, really knocked him out. And um, I realized I was in a war. Yeah. That, you know, really what you believe is everything. And um, right around... Uh, end of our visit, him and I had, well, I had a nightmare, which I could, don't... Could I interrupt and say yeah. that Cheryl never left my side. She slept on a cot in the corner of the room throughout the entire period <laughs> and was praying us through the whole thing. Yeah, well, but she recognized that what the enemy is doing is wearing him down and I had that nightmare and I wouldn't even share with him what it was and I'll never share and I'll never lift my lips to say it but I told him we're, we're in a war this is uh, and the Lord reminded me of a word he gave me um, it was many many years ago but he, I saw this wrestling ring, and the Lord said, Step into the ring of life, and do not bow to your opponent. Bow only unto me. Do not bow to fear. And so him and I, you know, had a talk, and I said, You know, this is stuff we've got from the secret place. Because him and I are one, and we knew... We had to fight because, you know, I could see, you know, how the enemy was wearing him down and, and weakness, you know, physical weakness. But I've stood before inmates in the prisons and I've preached to them about freedom. And there's a price you pay. And you decide what you want because one day you're going to walk out the prison and that pimp is going to be right there and he's going to have drugs with him 
and he's going to give you the opportunity to have everything free. But, it, you know, what costs you is you've got to confront what you know is not your life. And you're going to have to decide to live. And so you have to buck up to fear and tell it to go and tell it to shut up and back off. You know, that sounds simple. It's not, it's not simple. But as believers, we know that Christ is my life. I mean, it's his life. And um, we are being told so many t- things, you know. I mean, cancer is the C word, and I don't want to talk about it. You know, I'm not going to participate in the negativity, all the negative, 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 negative. But I see my husband who's in bed and hasn't eaten, you know, it's on liquids, and they're testing his brain to see if cancer's gotten in it. And, you know, he's going through all of this, you know, and he's enduring it. Um, even, and my, Malcolm's a very private um strong man, but as his wife, you know, I saw what he had to endure. And anyway, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that we didn't bow to our opponent. Yeah. And we're not bowing. Malcolm right now, I mean, he has tremors what they call tremors that come from the chemo. And that's a side effect of the chemo. It's not um, um, like having a seizure or anything. But what he does is his fever spikes after he has one of these tremors. And we always end up going to the hospital. I, You know, we're trying to work with the doctor to see or some anti-inflammatories or whatever they can give him to help him, you know, get through that. But that would be my prayer for you, just to pray for us because we're not bowing. Not bowing. Amen. Amen. And I I, I was going to say what I'm about to say, I really mean it, which would suggest I didn't mean a word I just said, but... um, I want to say something that is almost expected to be said, but I mean it at a very deep level. And that is thank you to Andrew and Marshall and Clint um, for the way in which they have simply taken over and have done such a fantastic job. Um, in, In the world of pastors and speakers, you know that to go what I've just gone through and disappeared essentially for three months, uh, it's the kiss of death as far. You might as well resign your pastorate and let someone else take over because I, I, I could name guys I know who have been through similar. And they said when they got back, there was nobody left in the church, that um, all the, the people that came to take the pulpit uh, the people wouldn't even listen to them. And and therefore, I honor you people, especially on Zoom, because here we've got each other to hold on to. 
physically. But you on Zoom are the most incredible fellowship because yes. you are you are literally bound together <laughs> over miles, um, some thousands of miles, mm. some of you. And um, that, the whole thing, it shakes me down to my core to think that there's, in fact, there's actually more coming on Zoom since mm -hmm. I've been gone mm -hmm. um, than, than before. Yes. And so thank you. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, I mean this at a very deep level. Thank you, Andrew, Marshall, Clint. Thank you for all the extra work that Randy and John have put into this yes. that um, go far beyond uh, the, this that we do on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's amazing what we've been through this summer. And um, everybody has taken part of the load, but you guys have really shouldered the, mm -hmm. the load to the max. You literally took my place mm -hmm. week after week after week. And um, that is no small thing in itself. Mm -hmm. I had 70 years practice at that. <laughs> and um, you literally, you after a while, you just learn. You're always thinking in terms of how you're going to feed the flock. Mm -hmm. That's that's what you're about. Mm -hmm. And to uh, drag people in and say, okay, you're on next week. It's it's another world. And so I, I thank you with all my heart. Yes, I and really th do. thank you, people that have sent us cards and letters and just helped us to be courageous. It's been amazing. Just, it's amazing that we're such a great family. You Zoomers, I've heard reports. I, I called Laurie the other day, and she's talking about that y'all are fellowshipping together. It's it's a beautiful thing what's happened. So I love you. I love you. I know Malcolm loves you. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that good? Yep, that's okay. good. At the end of at the end of the Nicene Creed which um, if you hang around us for very long, you know that's our foundation. It is a statement that comes from the 4th century, 315 through 380, that the earliest, earliest, earliest church wrote down, this is what we believe. And, and we take that, it's called the Nicene Creed, and it's been left untouched all these centuries. That is what they believed, and um, that's the foundation of what we believe. But we tend to give all the emphasis on the, the beginning. Um, you know, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and then we go, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, light from light, one being with the Father. Um, and we tend to stop there. We do so because that's where all the action is. That's where people are trying to tear it all apart. But at the bottom, right at the very bottom, it says, I believe in the communion of saints. 
I believe in the fellowship of the brethren. I believe that right here and now and right through that camera, there is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that mystically, and I don't have any other word for it, it's a mystery, but mystically we are bound together with something stronger than chains and yet softer than love. And he brings us together, the communion of saints. And so thank you. Thank you. Andrew? Well, good morning. The Lord be with you. And read Psalm 103 to open this morning. It says, Bless the Lord my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all your guilt, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always contend with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our guilty deeds. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear Him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our wrongdoings from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our form. He is mindful that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, like a flower of the field. So he flourishes. When the wind passed over it, it is no more, and its place no longer knows about it. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him and his justice to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts so as to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, you who serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, my soul. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be unto the ages of ages. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. And now, Holy Spirit, Continue to open our eyes and flood us with light that we shall know the vastness of our inheritance in Christ. Amen. And amen. Okay, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I think as you um, come with me through this text, and remember what Cheryl said. Um, you'll, you'll be able to tie it all together and realize this essentially is my our testimony of what it's been like to walk in the Spirit in the last three, four months. Okay, uh, chapter 5 of Ephesians, um, verse 15. So then... 
Be careful how you walk. And walk always means, in fact, the, the word in the Greek means to walk around. Uh, it's a sort of sauntering walk. Um, when, when you go to the mall or you're just out, you know, meandering, it doesn't mean that you, you've got this great big focus with your, it's just you're, you're wandering through life. You're, you're doing this and when you do this, you do that and you're wandering around. So in your everyday, most normal life, he says, be careful how you walk. Watch it. It's a dangerous world out there. Don't be as unwise people, but as wise. Make the most of your time. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is not whether you go go to um, Bolivia or to um, Africa as a missionary or, or whether you get that job on Fifth and Main. Um, the will of the Lord is the way you live in the middle of this world. And you might be in Africa, you might be in Australia, you, you, you might be on Fifth and Main, but um, how do you live there? What kind of person are you there? That's the will of the Lord. And he said, um, understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs or songs that the Holy Spirit gives, singing, making melody with your heart or hearts to the Lord, as if there's a dance going on, I'm dancing with myself in the Spirit, making melody with my own heart in the Spirit. Then always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God and Father. I'm leaving it there, because that is, out of all that passage, just to give you the, the general gist of where he's at, um, this is what I want to speak about. And it's burned inside of me. Always, always, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. The, um, that text has been grossly misunderstood throughout the Western world because the meaning of words. Uh, we're back to that again. Um, the words that are used there, um, we translate them in terms of the, our Western way of speaking. But the, you go into the Middle East and you go into the language of the Bible and it's not that at all. It's something quite else. And it's, it's this word that, of course, is the very center of it. What the text is all about, that one sentence of the text, is giving thanks. So always, for all things, giving thanks. Now, when we say giving thanks, 
it's being really polite. You, you, you were taught that when you were knee high to a grasshopper. You know, uh, Aunt Bethel, she, she, she sends you ten, ten dollars for a birthday. Well, now, now your, your mother or father, if they're a true American family, are breathing down your neck day and night that you've got to send them a thank you and you begin to wish they'd never send you the $10 in the first place <laughs> because you've got to do this polite thing uh, and say thank you. And um, <clears throat> if, if the gift is given in person, then you have to you know, gauge how many thank yous you give for the gift and how many thank yous is it worth. And um, we were raised with that, at least I believe you were. We were in, in England. And um, so when we come to this, and it, it obviously it pepper and salts the whole Bible, give thanks to the Lord, um, thank the Lord. Um, well, we, we assume that it's sort of an eternal Christmas time, and we're saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and um, see, that's not what the word means. If you have need to say thank you, for a gift, there's another word in Hebrew for that. This word is is never used to describe thank you for that gift that you gave me. It's not about that. It's not saying God gave us, you know, birds to sing on the branches and stars to shine in the sky and thank you, thank you, thank you. Or that he blessed me last week in an incredible way. Oh, thank you for that. There's another word for that. Um, which is more akin to bless the Lord, O my soul. Um, but you have here a, a word which it means um, that you are exalting, um, you are magnifying the the giver. It's not what they gave. It's it's not on this one special occasion and saying thank you for this. It is that I am standing back and I'm looking at the character of the giver and I'm saying essentially, wow, what, what a giver you are. It's not thank you for delivering me last week. It is rather what a generous God you are. What, what grace that you are in that your grace extended throughout the worst times of my life. And, and therefore we, we shouted into the futures that, uh, oh God, you, you are so full of grace. You are so love. You are so good. You are. And I'm giving thanks. I'm exalting the person. Do you see the difference? It's not that there was this one thing that happened, or oh, jolly, that's that, thank you for that. It is that I'm standing back, and if, if I'm looking at that which he just did, well, that is but a small token of who he really is. That little thing he did opened the window to see God as I've never seen him quite before, that he is bigger than I thought he was, that his goodness extends beyond where I thought it would, and and so you are really you are really some giver and um, that's really the meaning of the word but a secondary meaning but it fits into that and when you read the book of psalms you should hold this in mind 
where it says, thank the Lord, the Hebrew word there is yada, and it means um, what I've just said, but it means doing that by means of confession. And the word confession um, throughout the Bible languages means to say the same thing as. Uh, if you come from a very religious background, you always think of confession as something negative. Um, I'm going to confess my sins. And we say to our kids, you know, fess up, come on, tell the truth. Um, actually, the Bible never means that. Um, the, the Bible, when it says confess, it means let us say it together with. And your, your first together with is with God himself. You are going to say of God what God says about himself, which is a tremendous leap out of all religion into the arms of a God that religion never talks about. The, the God as he really is, the God that has revealed himself in the person of the Lord Jesus, and he is the final word of God. And so I, I take his word, his final word about himself, and I, I learn there. I learn. It's an art to learn, especially if you're from the West, because we've just not been raised that way. Uh, we say thank you for things, whereas in the Bible, thank you always means for the wonder and the glory of God's person that I am in the process of discovering. And so also we say together at the, the level of, of one another, and especially that happens usually in between services after this one's over, we'll gather, and there's a lot of giving glory to God. And of course you, you're not thinking about this. You don't go around with that look on your face to say, get ready, I'm about to give thanks to God. Um, th this is so normal, it's natural, it just bubbles up in conversation. And, um, uh, and we do it. So we say together with God, and we say together with each other, but also I say it together with myself. I, I order myself. David was very good at that. Do you remember in Psalm 103? where he said that other word, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself. Um, and really, many of the Psalms where it says, give thanks to God, well, who's he talking to? Himself. And, and so he orders himself to look at himself through God's eyes and thus to give glory to God. Do you remember we did it months ago? Um, the word glory um, is in um, uh, the, the, the first meaning of the word glory is um, to uh, have an opinion. And so the glory of God is in his opinion of you. There is no other God invented by human beings that thinks about you as the God revealed in Jesus thinks about you. That's his glory. That's the wonder. That, that's the radiance of God, that he is, is his opinion of us. 
that he puts upon us his love and his goodness, and he says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. It's God's opinion. Well, that defines my identity. I don't know who I am until I see myself in God's opinion of me. And therefore, to give thanks to God, though really it's 100% about God, you're declaring the greatness and goodness of God. Yet it does something like an Australian boomerang. It comes back to you and changes you forever. For if, if God is like we say he is, if God is the way he revealed himself in Jesus, then what on earth are we doing living as we do? Um, and that's not, again, a negative thing. It means there, there are oceans of grace ready to be taken that we, we have not taken. To, to give thanks to God brings about a radical change in how I not only see God, but also how I see myself and, and how we encourage ourselves. And, and so, um, you could say that all of our hope and expectancy of life is bound up in this. What you say about God, what you say about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, well, that determines everything. That That is your hope of life. If God is the way he is, then I can expect that's in loss of life. If if God is indeed my hope, then it, it changes everything. You see, prayer is founded in this. You can't pray without giving thanks to God. Not really. People try to, but um, why, why do you pray? And what is the extent of your prayer? How far are you going to go with this prayer? Well, it depends who God is. Do, do you follow me on that one? Uh, if God is as good as he says he is, then that gives me tremendous um, leeway in prayer. I dare pray for a lot of things because of the way God is. He's good. And he's great. He's as great as the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Yes. And now what are you going to do? That, that You can't go beyond that. And so the greatness of God, the goodness of God, that's the foundation of my prayer. I will pray to the limit of who I think God is. I will pray to the limit then of my thanks to God. Thanking God is the beginning of it. And out of that, then I become bold to ask in light of that. And you need all day to think about that one. Because we, we live to the extent of how we see ourselves in the eyes of God. Yes. And that's a given. Don't have to pray about it. Don't have to think about it. The way I see myself in the eyes of God is the way that will be the extent of my living. Mm -hmm. And it will be also the extent of my praying. I will pray in accord with how I see the greatness of God. Um, Spiritual warfare has gotten a big name in recent decades, uh, maybe too big. 
um, because to hear many people do what they call spiritual warfare is that they're fighting a very real enemy that is bigger than them and bigger than the problem. Whereas we begin all spiritual warfare by giving thanks to God that it's over. Um, we, we begin by announcing sort of back to God that he has already triumphed and he is already the master of this situation. And therefore, in the light of that, we address any of the darkness with, with that dismissal of get out of here. Um, and, and so, and not only so, but it drives our eyes above our own confusions. Um, the was no way in the last months that I could sort out my confusion. Number one, my very physical powers of discernment had been screwed with by poison, and um, therefore that, that stopped it right there. But quite apart from that, everything that was going on was beyond my ability to comprehend it. And giving thanks to God is to say, get your eyes off your own confusion Get your eyes off, I just don't know what's going on. Well, okay, settle to that. You don't know what's going on. And giving thanks means I focus my entire attention upon the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and expect that goodness and greatness to be made manifest in this situation. It is so. Um, If, now... It's see if we don't, if we don't, then we enter into another world which is very, very real. Uh, we default if we do not give thanks to God, we default into the darkness. Actually, we go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we are now putting ourselves in the position of that is good to be given thanks for, and that is evil. I'm not giving thanks for that. And I oscillate between the two. Um, And, of course, we default to um, the opposite of the whole thing, which is complaining. And that, that takes another hour but um, at least, but um, if you go into the Old Testament wilderness, when they complained about just about everything, from what they wore to what they ate and the heat of the sun and everything else, the Lord steps in and said, you are complaining against me. This is part of your relationship with me. Um, I'll leave that at that because, as I say, it could take us much further. But it isn't that we're in neutral. It isn't that some people give thanks to God um, and then there's some people who don't and they just mosey along and then there are others who complain. No, the fact is, if I am not actively giving thanks to God, I will find the awful sucking power of complaint, which is to see something wrong with everything around me. 
something wrong with all the people that I rub shoulders with every day. There's something wrong with the world except me. Um, now, there is a word, or rather it's, it's not exactly a word, um, but it comes to us from the deep past of spoken English, but it crops up wherever you turn. And that is the word dis. Did you know that the word dis is a big English word that comes to us from way back in the, actually goes back beyond the British and beyond the English language to the Greeks and the barbarians. And it's an ancient, ancient word, dis, D-I-S. And if you go back far enough, where, where does that word come from? And what, what did those who used it the first time think it was? Dis was the name they gave to the satanic god that they believed ruled the underworld. And so one translation, now you don't look for it, it's long ago, but one translation uh, in the New Testament of Hades, which in some of your Bibles is translated hell, some of the translations is dis. Dis was God of the underworld, God of the darkness, uh, and that word, Hades also meant the grave. And so dis is... It's it's the tangibility of death. I'm touching death in a graveyard. I'm smelling death and in everything to do with the grave. That's the word death. You're, you're in, in the, the power of death. David would have called it the shadow of death. Um, it's death. Then it would mean death in the biblical sense of the word where You've gone into such darkness, you've forgotten there is light. You're in a darkness where there is no sense of God's life. This. And always this was looked upon as coming with power. The actual word they would use in those days was energy or force. That you drop a this into this room and it would take about five minutes before the whole room is affected and you would hardly know what's going on. This. I, I hope you've already made the connection here that we use this all the time. Yeah. Um, I have known in the last three months discouragement that this force is this darkness would seek to separate you from who you really are it, it seeks to separate you away from the grace and the strength that god gives you so you are discouraged courage being the word for strength and so that inner strength has been sapped um discourage disappoint you you had an appointment, and this came and changed everything. Um, you 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 did something, were involved in something, and you feel then that you are disgraced. 
um, ca- that cannot exist in the presence of God. But for all that, we go through the feelings of it. Uh, disgrace. Grace has been taken away from us, and, and we're no longer there. We, okay, to show you the meaning of the word, um, two days ago, I was discharged from the hospital. That is, thankfully, I am now separated away from the hospital. I have said goodbye and closed the door behind me. Um, that's the meaning of this. It is discharged. You, you've been separated. Something's been taken away from you. And that can be good or bad. Um, something that I have has been undone and it is no more. In fact, I now have the opposite. Um, I do, do you get this? Yeah. This. And it's in our language. But we use it, we use it every time we do not fully understand giving thanks to God. Isn't that interesting? If you're not giving thanks to God, you will sooner or later become discouraged. If you're not giving thanks to God, um, oh, here's another one. Um, your world will become discombobulated. Yeah. Uh, it, it's um, turned inside out, upside down. You don't know what's going on. There's a force here. Um, it's as if I have disembarked away from God and my ship is now moving out to sea. Um, this is the great separator. The way Cheryl put it so well, I believe, um, she she thinks a lot, dreams a lot in pictures, and um, I thought I was pretty good at that, but um, she leaves me in the dust. Um, the the step into the step into the ring of life and do not bow to your opponent. Um, the the great um, if you, if, if you in, in sports are into boxing or into wrestling, I mean the good clean wrestling. Um, there's always that moment when you know, you're good sportsman, you know, and so you you bow. To your opponent, and you you you're not there to despise them. You're not there to put them down. You're there for an equal, fair fight. Well, uh, flush that down the toilet, because that is not how it works in God's world. We do not have a fair fight with Satan. He already has been defeated, and we stand and refuse to bow. And stand again, and uh, and that is that's when we can, we confess that God is the Father, God is the one who has given to us is that principle, that uh, guiding light by which we understand the human race. That you were created in order to be and live as a son, a child of God. You were created to live in covenant with, with with God through Jesus Christ. You are in a position where you know God is incarnate. God has joined himself to us. I am not a mere human being. That, that's the, the word, the principle by which we live. The finished work is done. It's over. We're here to mop up the end of it all, the ascension, the giving of the Holy Spirit. 
And as we give thanks to God that he, this is the God he is, this is what he's done, then in so doing, we open ourselves up. It's the best way I can put it. Um, you could say that you are participating now in the faith of God. See, faith is not some dire secret. That it's not a formula. And if you read enough of those books that promise to give you faith in five days, um, well, no, it doesn't work like that. Faith, in fact, you don't realize it's there. The, the day that I am aware of faith is I'm tripping over it. Uh, and I, faith, faith is that I'm seeing God as God sees God. Well, then I'm not aware of that. I just, I am, I've moved into that part of the relationship. And I'm seeing myself as God sees me. And I don't really think much about it. It's because that's the way it is. And in a situation that's bigger than myself, then we are learning to see God as greater and God is so <coughs> infinitely good. And so when we approach the enemy, or the enemy approaches us, you ever thought of it, you're not playing the game. He, he's that is. I don't approach you as the enemy. I approach you as the defeated enemy. It's yes. well, what's the game, yes. you know? And, and return to David and Goliath, which is sort of it's always there. But if you think about it, and all the things that we know since Sundays were the size of Goliath uh, compared to the size of David, the weapons of Goliath compared with the. Uh, slingshot of David. I don't know the rest of it. We've been through it many times. But the fact is, David never saw Goliath as an opponent. He doesn't bow to Goliath. In fact, he said, within a few minutes, I'm going to wipe the desert sand with your blood. Um, that doesn't sound like a fair fight. You know, David is not respecting his opponent. He is not saying, you know, draw the lines and let's fight this out. No, there's no fight. The fight was accomplished when Jesus rose from the dead, and that was the end of it. And when I say the end of it, I mean the end of it. And, and the end of it in your life, in terms of how strongly we are going to sit ourselves down into it, um, give thanks to the Lord, Christ is risen. Give thanks to the Lord, Christ is ascended. Give thanks. You see, it's a fact. I don't have to go into details. I don't have to say, now there's this lady down the street and she's got a bad toe. Um, I, I don't have to go into details. I simply proclaim the glory of God in his opinion for that lady and his opinion of me. Have you ever thought, and this again is another, well, actually, I think I did 14 hours on this a few months ago, but um, and that that is Psalm 23. You know Psalm 23. Where in all of Psalm 23 does David pray? He doesn't. And yet he was in the worst condition of his life. Remember, Absalom, his own son, was not just 
having a go at killing him. He had that one ambition to kill his father tonight, and he was coming to get him. And, and all of the, everything, as a parent, your, things that wash through your head, if only, if I'd have done this, if I hadn't have done that, what would Absalom be today? What did I do to cause Absalom to be? And that was the condition. David actually was full of prayer requests. <laughs> I mean, oh God, deal with Absalom. You know, deal, don't let that... And, um, not it's not mentioned and you should really listen because psalm 23 is david giving thanks to god he says the lord is my shepherd i thought he would say become my shepherd uh, please shepherd me in this situation he makes me to lie down in green pastures beside still waters um, he, he takes that for granted. He doesn't say, oh, please, God, you know, help me lie down. No, he says, that's, that's who you are, giving thanks for who you are under all circumstances. And that's why very few people know it was all about Absalom. Why? Because it, it's, it's everybody's in on this, because he's speaking about the greatness of God, yes. not a specific thing that he wants to say thank you for. And um, this is going to change your life, of course. It doesn't take too much thought for that. It will change our negative minds into the most incredible positive thinking. Um, you will have the most incredible good mental health. But you don't do it for that. You're, you're not doing this in order to increase it. You're not confessing in the sense that a lot of folks have done in the last 20, 30 years, which is to say something long enough and hard enough so they can get it from God. No, we are declaring that in the heart of God is already done, already given. This is the way God is. And we are now making manifest. We're telling the world about that. Um and so this is the believer. Do you remember where the whole passage began? It says, um, don't be stupid, be wise. The days are evil. How are you going to live? How are you going to walk wisely in this world? This, he said, this is it. Give thanks to God. And, and that's interesting because, um, you know, it begins by be filled with the Spirit, Um speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, songs in the Holy Spirit, and it's all very high holy stuff um, that many of us can totally relate to. But you, you would expect that to happen in the coming together of believers, you know? Um, well, you don't expect that to happen on aisle five in HEB. Um <laughs> Did you follow what I mean? There are things that happen among believers that we don't necessarily share with the outside world, not that we're ashamed of it. They just plain don't get it. And so, but we're going down the line, down the line, and it's all this that to a great extent involves all of the believers together. But then it says, always 
in everything, give thanks. That's very mundane. It's, it, it doesn't even mention Psalms like it does uh, two sentences before. It doesn't mention songs given by the Spirit. No, it just says, give thanks. It, it, you're going to find giving thanks. The opportunity is, well, it said it, didn't it? Always and always um, means that we, we are, well, always we use the term to describe that which is absolutely predictable. It's not a maybe. We say the sun always rises in the morning, always. I mean, it's one of those words you don't realize you use it yeah. until you are looking for a word to say it. It's fascinating that if you want to know the strength of that word, Jesus said, I am always with you. Um, and so what Paul is saying, this is your always. You're not going to have a day when, well, you're off the hook today. There's no giving thanks to God today. It's just one of those days. Suck it up. Um, no, whatever the day holds, whatever the confusion in your own life, whatever the powers of darkness may be, always, and if you miss that, then in all things, that is, there's nothing too big. And it doesn't, for some people, it, it isn't too far that you go before you realize, um, I think that's a bit too big to pray for. Um, there's no, no such thing. There's nothing too small, nothing too insignificant. All things, all things, always. You've got to learn to do that. We're not, we're not trained to do that. We're, we're trained, even if we believe in God, he's got his half and I've got my half. And um, I don't want to bother him. The fact is, always, at all times, we are giving thanks to God. Paul said, that this is as sure as the sunrise. That this is what a Christian is. This is where this life in the Spirit takes place. And there's no other way around it. It isn't that there's this situation, well, the devil really had his way in this one. Um, no, even at that precarious point, I can stop, stamp my foot and give thanks to God. Um, there is no time when any other can win over us. Um, he... He's there, always, and we are there, always. And it comes um, absolutely to um, learning to live that. Now, of course, uh, and it's such a, I don't know, I was going to say insignificant statement. I guess it is. Um, you always give thanks it isn't, you know, go, go and give a Bible to everybody in your village. Um, no, it's so simple. You just, 
You do it sitting at the table, you do it in the bus, you do it in the car, you do it at red lights and green lights, you do, you do it in your office, you do it in your factory, you do it in blue jeans, you do it in a business suit. You, there is no way where this doesn't happen. Always, always. This is my new way of life, which is focusing the present moment on the greatness and the goodness of God. Which doesn't sound very difficult, um, but it is, it's where we're at. Until we begin to do that, do we begin to realize the absolute difference between a believer and a non-believer? We're in the same world. We face the same confusions. We same, face the same frustrations. Same feelings about many things, but the one has a heart attack because he focuses on the negative. The other lives in the peace of God which passes human comprehension, lives in the joy of the Lord, lived by the faith of the Son of God because he has focused all attention upon who God is and then let everything else find its place within that. Do, do you get that? God bless your half nod. Is, is there another? Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? That right at this moment with everything that is happening in your life, you are focused, I am focused, either upon God's goodness God's greatness in terms of his ultimate power in resurrection. I'm focused there, or I am focused upon the problem. And I'm going through one whole, a whole litany of what if, what if she, what if he, what if this, what if that, if only, if only, I could have done that, I didn't do that, why wasn't I aware of the situation, on and on and on until you are spiraling down into a darkness that will take a long time to get out of. So to give thanks to the Lord is to adjust your focus. I'm not looking there. Not that I'm just, uh, you know, putting my head in the sand, pretending it isn't there. I've come to the end of, of my thinking this. I can't think it anymore. I, I don't know the answers to the questions. And sometimes that can be very humiliating. You're supposed to know. Or you think you are. Uh, well, then die to thinking you're supposed to know. And, and focus instead upon the God who is love. He is good. He is sworn to you with covenant oath. He is the God who raised Jesus from the dead and with Jesus raised us and has overcome all the powers of darkness. That is the way it is. Um, and so life then becomes an establishing of a relationship with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. This is certainly not a formula. As I said, it's not for your mental health. Um, that will be a PS. Um, 
you'll be healed of a lot of mental stuff. But that you didn't do it for that. You did it because he is worthy to be thanked. As we take our place. And so in, in these situations we find ourselves in, we find there's always buried a greater revelation of a facet of his goodness, a facet of his power, that otherwise we would never have seen before. Um, and that's, that's the way it is. Um, and so, well, I won't go there. This is the equivalent, I will say this, of the Old Testament um, meditation. You know, meditation in the Old Testament has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with meditation that comes from the East, or meditation as it's understood by multitudes of kids today. The meditation of the Old Testament is that you filled your mouth with, with truth, with scripture, usually. And um, you would then give thanks to God that this is the way he is. This is final truth. This is the way life is. Mm-hmm. And you would begin by thinking that over and over and over mm-hmm. so that I've described uh, meditation in the Old Testament as chewing the cud. Um, if you've ever seen cows and sheep and they regurgitate their food and chew it over and chew it over and, chew, and then regurgitate it and chew it over, that's, that's meditation. But gradually that turns into muttering. And one meaning of the word meditation is to mutter. You are actually saying to, talking to yourself and talking to yourself about the greatness of God and about how you fit into that greatness. And as you mutter to yourself and you turn it over, it becomes you. Literally, it does. And, And so it says there in Joshua, and it took me two or three years of meditating on this to find out what it meant, where he says, let not this word depart your mouth. That is, don't go and blab it all over creation. You've discovered something about me, and you've come to the point of muttering. You're talking to you. It's in your mouth, and you're talking to yourself about it. And you're applying it all day long to this and that and unashamedly talking to yourself. Incidentally, the whole Bible is full of people who talk to themselves uh, in the presence of God. And, and you, you talk to yourself, well, don't, don't lose it. He says, don't let it depart your mouth. Don't take this that you're now talking to yourself about. You're discovering it. You're in a, a divine Aladdin's cave uh, and you are discovering treasures you never dreamt existed uh, and you're applying it here and applying it there. Don't, he says, don't go and blab it. There, there's stuff that God has shown me and I've kept it to myself maybe for a year because I've got to get this. 
I've got to, this is going to be real to me. I've got to put it under the test of this and that and the other and see how this works. Well, this translates in the New Testament. Paul, you see, was a very good Jew. Never forget that. He never stopped being a Jew. And he would meditate, and and he shows it throughout the Old Testament. He would take a text from the Old Testament, and he would chew it over. And um, giving thanks is part of the meditation. And, and Paul is calling us. For all the thoughts that go through our head, all the nonsense, idiotic stuff, of all the anger thoughts and all the bitterness thoughts, and all the people you'd like to hang by the neck, you know, what an awful waste of time. He is saying, be unashamed of filling your mind with with giving thanks to God Mm -hmm. without ceasing in all times, all everywhere. Um, But at the same time, begin muttering about it. Let it get into your mouth, and that slides into your conversation. I I said a little while ago, you don't go around looking like a Pharisee. Remember the Pharisees um, prayed in public. They Well, they they didn't plan on that, of course. They just prayed every day at this hour, and then prayed every day at this hour, they always managed to be in the shopping mall when they were about, and they said, you know, it's it's the time to pray. And so as they prayed, it was always with an audience. And they used these highfalutin words, and they had thought out their prayer. It was like a sermon. And Jesus mocked them and says, you, you pray so that everybody can hear you. Um, no, you don't, you come, you're, you're meditating, but it gets into your conversation, and it's the way you talk about stuff. Yes. Okay, that's the best I can do. Mm. Without excuse. The world never excuses themselves for talking as they do in front of you. Mm-hmm. They talk in their despair. They talk in their hopelessness. Right. They, they, they talk of a life that's falling apart. They never say, excuse me, I know I'm getting religious now. (laughs) They don't. Because they believe this is the way life is. Have you ever thought of just simply being yourself and leaving behind your meditation? And so you speak into their situation the goodness of God, the greatness of God, uh, and and you you speak uh, of how he is at work among his people now. See, in the one case, and you know them, that whenever you meet them, they quote scripture in such a pompous way uh, that make you sick. Um, uh, see, that's the Pharisee. They just want you to know that they're quite. There, the one chap in New York City when I used to live there, and he had this great big notice on his chest. He said, I am a Christian. Uh, Well, buddy, if you have to tell us, I suggest you're not. Um, No, it it just is. It just happens that people realize I'm dealing with something here that's different. Mm 
Um, people talk to you and you're just being yourself. But in being yourself, you are sharing with them something they won't forget. What you just said turned their whole life around. They never, never thought about that before. Never was confronted by that before. And, you know, we, we, it's in our mouths, you see, it's in our mouths. Um, don't go and give the whole story, just, just let it be in your natural conversation. Um, never hesitate to pray with people, because many people will say, pray for me, and then walk away. Um, learn just to put your hand on their shoulder and without any fuss and these and thous and just pray for them. In all things give thanks. You're giving glory to God. You're entering to a new dimension relationship with him. Amen. Okay. I kept seeing and hearing Stop rehearsing your pain. Stop rehearsing the past. Stop, you know, rehearsing it, talking about it all the time. We're we're fighting, like I, I was telling Malcolm, um, you know, David fought, uh, physically fought, a lion and a bear, you know, and when he came after that Philistine, he called it what it was, you know. Here's David, you know, uh, singing hymns out in uh, the pastures with the sheep and everything. But what does love look like? Love killed a bear. Love killed a lion. And love went after that Philistine and took him out. I remember that just a memory I have of, because uh, I love my grandchildren. I was uh, one holiday at my brother's house and and uh, my little nephew had a cousin over and I just stepped into the room in time to hear that cousin say to my nephew to hit Madison, my my little granddaughter. And I heard it and I said, don't you touch her. I never had to say it again. They to this day never touched her. But you make up your mind what you're going to say. You're not going to bow to your opponent. You don't rehearse your pain. You don't rehearse your past. You only say what God says about you. Amen? Amen. 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 That's all. Father, we thank you for the greatness of who you are. You're beyond our words. You're beyond our thoughts. We thank you for giving us the light and understanding to know you as we do. Yes. Thank you 
that you are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You raised him from the dead, and in raising him, you raised us. We thank you we walk in the power of that resurrection this day. And it's now into your hands we commend ourselves that your will be done in this place and throughout this Zoom world here on earth as it is in heaven. And we shall become a people who give thanks to our God. Amen. Amen. Amen.